I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts and the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is episode two. This is our first official full-length episode. We're getting into the fun stuff. So in this episode, we're going to be going over what the difference is between a dietitian and a nutritionist. Big combo there. We're going to be going over how to become a dietitian, and we're going to discuss the scope of practice of like personal trainers, um, CrossFit coaches, nutritionists, all that fun stuff. So let's jump right in. We're not going to waste any time. Well, as you guys know, Emily and I are, well, Emily's almost a dietitian. I am a dietitian. And the biggest, most glaring difference is that to become a dietitian, you have to like actually go to school, do an internship. You have to pass an exam. Then you have to maintain your credentials. Whereas a nutritionist can literally just be anyone. Like my dog could be a nutritionist. My aunt could be one your next door neighbor, like anyone can be a nutritionist. And that's why it's so kind of frustrating when people confuse the two because they're very, very different, very different. Yes. Yes. And actually going off of that, one of the biggest pet peeves with dietitians is how you spell it. So to put it on record, this how you spell dietitian is diet, D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. And Going into college, I had no idea that was actually how you spelled it. I realized that in a lot of my college application essays, I spelled it D-I-E-T-I-C-I-A-N, which is a big no-no. You do not do that in the dietetics community and also just in general because that wasn't really, the spelling wasn't very well regulated. I know Microsoft Word, I think, has changed it. But I had no idea in one of our TAs in our first classes really let us all have it because a lot of us spelled it the incorrect way in some of our assignments, which was pretty funny to look back on. But we have learned our lessons since then and have not spelled it incorrectly since. And we say all this like not to like tease or make fun if you don't know, because like you wouldn't know unless someone told you. Like, I literally did not know what a dietitian even was until I went to college to become a dietitian. Like, you just don't know what that really is unless you're experiencing it, like, firsthand. So, yeah, big difference. We're here to remind you of that, and we always will. So, also, you might see sometimes, like, after some, like after someone's name, their credentials could be RD or RDN. They're the same thing. They mean the same thing. RD just stands for Registered Dietitian, and RDN stands for Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. And I know we just said that we don't like being called nutritionists, but everyone knows what those are. And so by having that after our title, it helps people recognize what we do a little bit better. Yeah. Um, some people don't necessarily know what a dietitian does, but then yeah. you add the word nutritionist and they identify the nutrition root word and they figure it out from there. Yeah. Bingo. So I personally go by RDN. Do you know what you're going to use yet, Emily? Once you get your I think I'm going to go with RDN. Yeah. That seems the way that society is moving toward. Yeah. You got to go with the flow. Stick to the status quo as High School Musical would say. <laughs> yeah. I played that song for the first time in a long time in my car the other day. I thought of you. I thought oh. of you. <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember when we came 
to my my place after like that one holiday. Was it Easter that we came to my parents' yeah. house? Yeah. And we were jamming to bed on it the whole way. That is still the best song to come out of all three movies. And I will stand by that Take it to until I die. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Okay, anyway. So there are actually seven different routes to become a registered dietitian. I did not know this until a couple of weeks ago. I had known about maybe four different routes, but it varies obviously internationally. Also in Canada, I know they have different guidelines, I think based off of the organization you're part of. Um, and also with the new 2024 requirement where in order to sit with for the RD exam, people will have to have at least a master's, which is really interesting. So I'll be interested to see how these guidelines actually change over the next three years because a bachelor's degree will not be enough to sit for the exam. But we can go over what the requirements are now <laughs> as they are. We can do a refresher maybe in three years. Oh, there we go. To see about what we think of the changes see how like programs will change and such. So option one is basically the most simple, straightforward route. I would say at least this is what I did with mine. So I, I guess it's simple for me, maybe not for others. <laughs> but you have to complete a bachelor's degree by a US regionally accredited college or university. And this is coincided with the organization ASCEND, which is the Accreditation Council for Education and Nutrition and Dietetics. And you have to complete a didactic program in dietetics at whatever university or college you're at. And from there on, you'll go to complete an ASCEND accredited dietetic internship. And this is typically at another school um, or another facility or organization. The second option is what Hannah did where you will complete your bachelor's degree once again by an accredited college university and then you'll complete their coordinated program and a lot of schools actually do have coordinated programs associated with them and if you want to talk a little bit more well, about that i just wonder because my program was not a master's program and like emily just said in 2024 it's going to be required to get a master's and so they don't even know yet. They were talking about it when I was doing my internship. And I'm just wondering how they're going to even like transition all of that because the program I have now won't qualify you to sit for the RD exam. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to modify it where you can, I'm guessing they'll still be, it will still be coordinated, but they'll have to incorporate a master's program somehow too. So that yeah. will be changing. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I can't, there's so many programs that are just the internship. So it'll be really interesting to see what changes. And I feel like there'll be a gap of time when no one is sitting for the exam because everyone's getting their master's. I am thankful every day that we are like done with it. Like we don't have to worry yeah. about that. I mean, you already yeah. have your master's, so it would have been fine either way, but I'm just glad it's, oof, we're grandfathered in. Yes, thank goodness. <laughs> okay, so then option number three, become a dietitian. You will do your bachelor's degree once again. You'll complete, you will actually, it, this is if you don't get matched to a DI. A DI is a dietetic internship, but sometimes people often try to take this route if they don't want to do an internship. For instance, some people do 
grad school and they go for their MBA or sometimes they go for a PhD. And in this route, they'll actually complete uh, an accredited DPD ISP. And this is an individualized supervised practice pathways, which basically is it's added supervised practice, but in a different revenue. I think you might have to actually I don't know if you have to find your preceptors ahead of time or not. I'm not too familiar with this route. It probably depends, but I've heard that you usually do, at least maybe like part of the program. I don't know either how it works, but that's what I've heard. So that's hard. Yeah. And then option four is this is when you will actually complete a doctorate that is with an accredited college or university, and then you will complete an ISP doctorate with this as well. So going more that grad school route, if you didn't have a bachelor's from an accredited university, um, this could be another option for you, which I've actually seen a lot of people do where they'll complete their bachelor's in something completely not really related to nutrition, and then they'll go on to grad school where they can get, um, be, be eligible and sit for the RD exam after completion of their program. I feel like that'd be hard because it's usually less time, your master's program, right? Than a oh yeah, I feel like it's very intense. Yeah, Kudos to those people. <laughs> yeah. That is very impressive. And then, and also I'm reading all of these off of the CERnet.org because I don't, I want to make sure I'm telling you guys the correct information. We'll share the link. Yes, we'll share the link in case you're curious. Um, option five is called the Registration Eligibility Reciprocacy. And this is with individuals of the Dutch, Philippine, and Irish Nutrition and Dietetics Institutes, which I have no idea about. Um, if you're from Ireland listening, like, thank you. For being- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know what it was like there, but <laughs> it looks like it's following a different set of guidelines with the different organizations. So I assume they, you just go through whatever that program is. Option six is also very similar. It's the Canadian Registered Dietitian. I love the name of that. I love it. It's the Canadian Registered Dietitian. Um, <laughs> but they have another organization as well that is correlated with completion of their programs and such. And then the last one's the International Dietetics Program, which there are a wide variety of different requirements for this, but I assume it's all very basic and pretty vague on the website, but if you look more into it, I'm sure it'll give more straightforward answers. But basically, the purpose of us going through that was just to show that It's not a four week program or a certificate that you just sit for and you become a dietitian. We do go through, you complete probably on average three to four years of education with the master's requirement coming up. It'll be about six years of education. We'll see how that changes with the graduate school requirement, but there are a lot of components that go into this and we do get a lot of different types of education through these different programs and our practical experience with the dietetic internships and ISPs are essential for developing key dietitian skills. So yeah, the more you know, 
I did not. I learned a lot about those new avenues a couple of weeks ago, and we've been doing dietetics for who knows how long. <laughs> and yeah, like six years, seven years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. A it lot of cool. schooling. But <laughs> a lot of schooling. Yeah. But it's good too, because you can kind of go and branch out and do whatever you'd like to. You don't have to mm-hmm. do sport clinical or whatever the go-to places, but yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, like I was kind of just getting to, if you do all of that, become a dietitian, there are many, 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 many routes you can go about. There's some I'm not even going to talk about that you can just kind of like create yourself really. That's the beauty of our field. Um, I would say the biggest one probably is clinical, working at an inpatient facility, seeing patients, um, checking on their diet, making sure they're getting fed correctly, eating enough food, um, that sort of thing. And I am willing to say that I think everyone has to do that, right? During their internship, some kind oh, yeah. of clinical rotation. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. We definitely did. For me, I think it was 12 weeks of clinical, which got cut short because of COVID, but normally and that's what it would be. Yeah. Mine but, was the same. Yeah. I currently work at an outpatient facility. So I'm technically a clinical dietitian, but I work outpatient. So patients come to my clinic to see us. Um, so it's a little bit different than patients that are just in the hospital sick or just had surgery or are getting surgery or whatever it might be. Um, but other outpatient facilities. So I do weight management, but you could also do renal with the kidneys. You could do cardiac with heart health. Oh my goodness. You could do like cancer, um, GI, like gastrointestinal, um, what else is there? E- eating disorders, all kinds of different things you can do outpatient, but even like outside of a hospital setting, I mean, there's food service management, there is um, sports nutrition, there's like college education, like someone to teach us how to become dietitians. That's a job you can do. Um, There's pediatrics, there's just so many different fields. Private practice, that's also a growing one currently, especially with everything kind of going more into the online space. So yeah, million avenues. Yeah, it's very cool. There's a lot you can do with our degree which is really awesome. We are very lucky to have all those opportunities. Yeah. Okay. We've got through the boring stuff. Should we get into the fun, saucy, talking about misinformation? <laughs> Hope you guys are ready to hear us get fired up a little bit because we talk about this all the time. And we always get mad. So yeah, but we're going to keep it professional. Yes, you guys can come to your own conclusions, obviously. You can think whatever you want, but these are just our our two cents. Yeah. Is it four cents since there's two of us? Do you double it? Do we get more cents? (laughs) Four pennies. (laughs) These are our four pennies. We can start talking about before we even really got into our dietetics degree and the information we saw online. Yes. There's so much of it out there and it's so overwhelming. I hear every single day from people that I see that they're like, I don't even know like where to start with like changing my habits because there's just so much information out there. And I don't even know what's true and what's not like, that's what we're here for is to get you through the weeds. But yeah, Mm -hmm. before I became a dietitian, like probably the first two years of college, even before I like really learned about all the good stuff. Cause the first two years of college is just biochem and Oh, what else do we have to do? Orgo, all that kind of stuff. So you don't really get into like how to counsel a patient or a client or 
learn about like medical nutrition therapy yet until like later down. So anyway, the first few years of even college, I was still learning about what is good advice and what's not. And a big culprit is Pinterest. Oh my gosh, Pinterest. Yeah. I actually got on before we we were prepping for this episode and I just typed in like weight loss advice just to see, because I knew it would just be amazing, terribly thing, terribly amazing things. And I was correct. Um, I wrote some of these down, so I hope you're ready to go over them. I'm excited. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the first thing that I saw that popped up, oh, it was about eating a lot of foods that have a negative like calorie, like they're negative calorie foods. Like you burn more calories when you eat them, which first of all, is just not even possible. There's no way you burn more calories while you're eating a food than what is actually eaten. Yeah. The only thing would be like ice cubes. <laughs> right. Right. But that's please not going to Please don't eat ice cubes. Unless you like it, but also have some protein with it, please. And thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so the examples they gave, which I've heard this before, like celery, broccoli, that kind of stuff, but sure it's very low calorie, but it's definitely not zero calorie and definitely not negative calorie. But the ones that got me were like apples and peaches. Like an apple has like 60 calories in it. Which yeah. Again, fine. Apples are great. Nothing wrong with having apples. They're definitely not zero calorie. So mm-hmm. this isn't the worst one, but I was just like, that's just so silly because it's just so misleading. Anyway, I agree. Plus, okay, this next one. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll stay on this one. Plus, just going off of the idea of that is why the act of eating, like food is meant to fuel you and yeah. not punish you in a way that society has seen to make calories appear. So it, it's okay if you're in, you're consuming calories and you're supposed to eat calories. <laughs> yeah. And plus, all those foods have a bunch of different vitamins and minerals that aren't just their only purpose to be in the negative, like a calorie deficit from eating them. Like, right. There's so much more to them than that. And I feel like they're getting a bad name. I am a big peach fan. Peaches (laughs) are amazing and they should not be only glorified because they're quote unquote, a negative calorie food. They should be glorified because they're juicy and tasty and full of vitamins and minerals. Gosh, dang it. Yes. <laughs> Told you I get fired up. It's only the first little bullet point. <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway. Okay. This next one, I don't even know if I can get through it because it was just so terrible. I'll help you. Oh, okay. I, I added a link if you want to look at it, Emily, and I can add it in our description too, if you guys are interested. Actually, no, we're not going to share it because it's terrible no. advice. I don't want you guys to look at it. <laughs> So the next thing I saw that really grabbed me was 10 tips from models that'll help you destroy weight. So this goes back to the very first thing we said, which is that you shouldn't just be taking information on nutrition from whoever, especially not models, unless, hey, model, unless the model is also a dietitian, in which case go ahead. But yeah, good for, good for them. Good for them. So some of these tips were fine, like eat protein at every meal, whatever. Um, sure. That's fine advice, but I'd rather it come from a dietitian who follows up with, how do you feel about that? And how will that actually work in your day-to-day life? Not just hear some information, do it now and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, a notable one that I saw was one of the models says she only eats organic food because it makes her more energetic. <laughs> okay. 
like I don't even know where to begin with that one. First of all, organic food is not healthier for you. We could do a whole episode on that. In fact, we probably will because that's a whole conversation. Plus, um, organic food oftentimes is more expensive, and sometimes that's just not realistic in someone's budget. And also, I what do you call it? Non-organic. The opposite of organic. Sorry, what did you say? Is it conventional? Is that what they okay. call it? Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Um, even then you can eat conventional foods that are still healthy for you or healthy in the sense. Also, this is, I'm about to go off. This is a side tangent. So the, the term healthy just grinds my gears because healthy is different for everyone. Uh, this is going to go into our next episode because I was just looking at that. Yeah. But it's okay. People seem to has make seems to have made the phrase healthy associated with weight loss, and that's not necessarily true for some people. Like some people need to be gaining weight, and also some people, a lot of people, I like they don't necessarily need to change their weight, um, and a lot of it is. I'm, I don't even know how this started. I think you have it. Go with it. <laughs> I was like, where am I going with this? But just the term healthy, there are so many different aspects of your like healthier body than just your weight. Or because this is a article about how models lose weight or, or stay in shape. Also the term in shape. We are all shapes. Everyone's yeah, in shape. You could literally uh, be a rectangle and be in shape. Yes. But there's just, it's more, it should be more about like how you feel and how food makes you feel and not the number on the scale or what someone's perception of you is. So, yeah. And that's for my side. That... <laughs> no, I was just saying sorry for that. I don't even know how I got on that. I just heard healthy and like, went off (laughs) well yeah so it's not to say that like wanting to lose weight is even a bad thing you can want to lose weight in a healthy way but that's just it you need to do it in a healthy way and that shouldn't be your main goal I always say put it on the back burner like focus on other things before that's kind of your main goal because it's so hard to even like keep your weight loss on a steady track because so many things influence it I mean, you eat a high carb or high salt meal and your weight's going to go up like five pounds just because of the water retention. So focusing only on that one factor makes it really hard to assess how well you're actually doing. Exactly. But anyway, back to organic. I don't know how we got here. Um, <laughs> I don't organic- know either. I'll take the blame for that. <laughs> That's okay. This is going to happen more than once, guys. So just be warned. Yes. Um, organic won't make you lose weight by itself. That's definitely not the case. I don't know why she even said it makes her more energetic. That literally makes no sense. There's nothing in organic food that would make you more energetic than conventional food. So that one sucks. Don't do that. Forget about it. If you mm-hmm. want to eat organic, go for it. If you can afford it, great. Nothing wrong with that. But it's not providing you any benefit other than those, more so than those that aren't eating organic. Yeah. Okay. The next one that I saw in there that was not my favorite was... She said that she starts the day with hot lemon water to get the metabolism going. <laughs> okay, kind of the same thing as the organic. If you want to have hot lemon water, go for it. It could taste good, but it's not going to do anything magical besides hydrate you. 
maybe warm mm-hmm. me up on a cold winter's day, but yeah, it's definitely not going to get your metabolism going. Another great way to get your metabolism going is eating food. There it is. Organic or conventional choice is yours. Yep. <laughs> yep. Got to wake that baby up, but not with hot lemon water. Cause there's like, is that a negative calorie food? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I want to think about that. Just enjoy your hot lemon water. If you like hot lemon water. Yeah. It's not going to cure you or do anything magical. Neither will cold lemon water. I've heard that one too. A lot. Shall I like, put oh. lemon in my water? Cause it's good for me. It detoxes me and we'll get to detoxing. That's a whole other conversation as well. But yeah, if you want to have it, if you don't like it, that's fine. Your metabolism yeah. will still work. Okay, next one's pretty similar. I think it was Kendall Jenner that said this. I can't remember off to reference it. But she said, um, to drink green tea for fat burning and metabolism boosting. Why is that a thing? Is that because of like the caffeine or what? Like, why is that even something that people claim? I'm pretty sure, I don't know how long ago it started, but like all the studies around green tea. And I think there are, there might be some cardiac benefits to it. I don't, don't quote me on that. I, I would need, <laughs> sorry. I just, for those who can't see, um, I just hit my leg against the table and everything flew around. I just got so riled up about green tea. Um, <laughs> but I know there definitely have been studies where there have been positive health correlations with green tea. And I feel like people have just hopped on to that. It's kind of like one of those foods that comes around where like, there's nothing really necessarily, I would say bad about green tea, but people just kind of put it on a pedestal and have claimed it has all these incredible benefits. Right. Like there's one study about it probably out there that says it's good and everyone goes crazy for it and blows mm-hmm. it up out of proportion. So yeah, same thing as the organic food, not lemon water. If you like it, go for it, but don't expect any magical effects from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. A couple more. This next one made me laugh out loud. I literally LOL'd. <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. She says, this model says when exercising, it's important to use your butt more than your thighs. And this whole article is on destroying weight, quote unquote. So I don't know what that has to do with boosting your weight loss. But when you're exercising, feel free to use your butt and your thighs. That's okay. (laughs) It's so dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where that comes from. And and it's funny because she like didn't elaborate. That's like all that it says is just focus on using your butt more than your thighs. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Okay, that one's stupid, (laughs) moving on. Okay, this one's also exercise related. So this model says when she was a kid, she used to exercise by sucking in her stomach when she was young. And she says also to get in more exercise when you're in the car, for example, always sit up straight because it will help you get ab muscles. I mean, the whole sucking in thing, I don't really get that. I can't understand maybe like, I'm blanking on the word when you like, activate a muscle it's not activate I'm blanking on the term of like when you like tighten something and you're yes like your muscles yes they're going to be working because you're contracting them it's more of like I feel like it's multitasking not really in the sense of this is going to do so much more for me also sitting in the car where you're more relaxed I feel like 
that makes more sense compared to you sitting up and like focusing on all your muscles and um right. holding yourself up compared to a relaxed position that's not necessarily like something yeah. crazy i know it doesn't make any sense because you've probably heard like abs are made in the kitchen or abs are made in the gym there's kind of polarizing ideas there and it's yeah. truly but a there's combination so many of factors both. Yeah, exactly. So many factors that go into like body composition that aren't just. So just sitting up straight is not going to be the one thing. If it was that easy, we would all have six packs. <laughs> but yeah. This is stupid. So you can use your butt and your thighs. And if you want to suck in your stomach, you can, but it's not going to give you abs. So that's the bottom line there. <laughs> yeah. Like, can this be real? Like, are people actually writing these things down and thinking it's a good thing to edit and like post out to the world? I can't comprehend that. I don't know. I feel like this is going to go along with a lot of things we're talking about where people and like I was also a victim to this too for probably the majority of my life since I was a child into an adolescent girl where there's a lot of factors going into that around body image and such but people see these figures that they might look up to and assume that if I do the exact same things they're doing, I'm going to look like them or they know what they're talking about because they look a specific way. So if I listen to what they tell me to do, then I'm going to look just like them. So I think I remember a conversation, I think it was undergrad, where you told me you found a like Taylor Swift diet. Oh, yes, Pinterest. a Blake Lively one. Oh, yes, yes. And who even knows if those are accurate? Like what they're putting out is actually a representation of like an accurate representation of what they eat. Also, they probably don't eat the same thing every day. At least I hope not. I feel like that yeah. could be quite boring, but it goes along with the issue of a lot of people can just put out whatever they want. And people think that they'll look exactly like them if they follow what they say when one, they could be giving you inaccurate information. Two, they could be doing whatever it is for money, like giving their two cents to the magazine. They could probably make something up or also like their genetics are a huge component of their body composition and what they look like along with their access to healthcare professionals. Like I feel like a lot of models probably have dietitians working with them and then also the personal trainers and there are probably so many more disciplines that work with them that the average person doesn't have access to mm -hmm. and it's just there's a lot going into what we see on a screen and there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about so their black and white diet is not going to make you look like them I think I saw that somewhere I don't want to take that quote and call it mine, but I definitely read that somewhere. So whoever's quote that is, that is <laughs> kudos. kudos. Oh, yeah. I'm just forgetting who said it. It's so true. Like Emily and I could eat the exact same way, do the exact same workouts, have the like exact same daily lifestyle. And we would look totally different mm -hmm. because genetics, just daily things here and there, like it's just not possible. So well said, well said. Ooh. My last little Pinterest thing, I didn't get, I'm not going to go too much into this one, but um, I did see like the last little 
pin I saw was about metabolic confusion confusion for endomorphs which if you don't know there's like different body types that apparently you can have so is it ectomorph mesomorph endomorph um and certain practitioners will say you should eat a certain way to kind of work with your body to like meet your goals faster and better um I'll be honest, the truth, I don't know how much truth there is to that, like style or that approach, but I want to touch on the metabolic confusion because why would you want to confuse your metabolism? It's not going to make it work any better, work any faster. Like that's not how metabolism works. And like we already said, just by eating, just by like getting calories in you, you're going to activate your metabolism. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. There is the whole phenomenon, and we can get to this a different time, of like metabolic adaptation, where if you do eat way too little for a long, long time, then your body thinks it only needs that amount of calories at this point, and so it does start to require less, and that makes it harder for weight loss, if that's your goal. Um, and if that is the case, that's a good time to work with the dietitian and other healthcare providers. But this whole thing about metabolic confusion is just nothing to worry about. There are bigger battles to fight than trying to confuse your metabolism. Like, are you getting three meals a day? Are you getting protein at every meal? How much exercise are you getting? Are you drinking plenty of water? Um, all that kind of stuff, little tweaks here and there are going to be more beneficial than trying to confuse your metabolism, whatever that means. Plus like from what we've learned in school and obviously a lot of people might not have this information in their head but your GI tract is very smart and very complex it it knows what it's doing it's not trying to trick you or make your life worse in any way Um, obviously there are associated GI disorders in different diseases which that will definitely throw a wrench in your plan of whatever it is you have in store for your GI system but (laughs) but it knows what it's doing for the most part and it's trying to protect you too yeah trust your body yeah i know the biggest disclaimer with that is i know with a lot of like eating disorders and disordered eating there's a lot of influence from the brain and what someone might be seeing or observing so in that sense their sense their sense of different things with their GI tract might be off, but to that point, hopefully they're working with someone to help them through that and figure it out. So yeah. our advice for the, for those people might not be as applicable, but yeah. Yeah. So bottom line is don't take advice from Pinterest. <laughs> yes. That's just the overreaching statement here. Pinterest Unless, is great. I love Pinterest. Yes. Use it for recipes, use it for like bathroom renovations, but don't use it for diet advice. Please and thanks. Yeah. Okay. I'm all riled up. Let's see what else we got. (laughs) Okay. Should we just jump right into our good friend, medical medium? Yes. Now I want to preface because I know we said we're not doing this to, you know, show that or show that we think we're better than others or that we're like the perfect dietitians. 
this medical medium guy, which I'll get to, are there like people, there are nutritionists out there who aren't qualified like I am, who know more than me. There are personal trainers who know more about nutrition than I do. Um, but this guy really is the pits. Like this guy really stinks. I'm just not a fan. So if you guys have heard of the gel celery juice cleanse, medical medium is the guy who created that. He has a huge following on Instagram. Um, he's very, very popular. And I had always thought he was a doctor. And so, you know, he kind of had, I mean, he kind of had a platform to use to talk about nutrition, but I was looking at his website today. This guy is not even a doctor. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't. I thought he was a doctor. Yeah. So from his website, this is what it says. It says Anthony William medical medium is not a licensed medical doctor, chiropractor, osteopathic physician. Um, is that naturopathic doctor, nutritionist, pharmacist, psychologist, psychotherapist, or other formally licensed healthcare professional? And if you guys look at his information, he actually wrote a book too. That's kind of something he really pushes you to purchase from him, which is another reason why he does all this is just to make a buck. But he has really no right to be saying what he says. So I was looking today at his Instagram specifically, and I saw a few wonderful claims that he makes. And again, he has a lot of followers. He has people that are like taking his, his advice so seriously and believing every word that comes out of his mouth. But his celery juice cleanses his biggest thing. So he says things like celery juice strengthens the reproductive system and celery juice flushes toxins out of the liver. And just those wild, ginormous claims cannot be true. Like you can't just single out celery juice to be the one thing that betters your reproductive system. It yeah. might be part of the process. Like it could also be like, it could be like something that's also happening while you're working on other things to better your reproductive system, however that needs to go. But it's definitely not the only thing that is working towards that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Plus he doesn't cite his sources. Yes. I was going to say, so for me, I like reading the studies or whatever backup information they normally, or I guess they don't even normally do that. I've seen a lot of people on Instagram where they make claims about nutrition and there's no evidence behind it. And that's just very suspicious to me. So every single one of his posts, the caption is to buy his book. So that's what I was trying to say earlier is like, oh, he says, I didn't that. yeah, not every single one, but a big chunk of them. He doesn't really elaborate. He just says, celery juice strengthens the reproductive system and then says in the caption buy my book to learn more so like Emily just said you don't really know where he's getting his information from unless you pay him and get his book where he might cite it who knows I'm not gonna have money for that to find out I'm not gonna contribute to his agenda but you just gotta be weary and kind of dig a little deeper before taking advice from just anyone yeah yeah, some other notable claims he makes aside from celery juice is that wild blueberries safely remove toxins. And this is a great one. Zucchini removes debris from the digestive tract. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. that, that's so how funny. fiber works. <laughs> right. Like it's not the also, zucchini. Also, what debris is getting in there? Like right all right is there like a fire going on in your stomach like what's going on is there like a little smoker in there just getting ashes everywhere what is happening with these guys this guy's patience maybe he like 
just have patience. I was going to say, maybe he has like his own practice and he actually has like these crazy scenarios. <laughs> and then like zucchini actually does remove debris from his patient's digestive tracts. Like that's oh. something you'd see on like a medical show. I know, like Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Oh, medical media would be great in Grey's Anatomy. And I also want to point out, um, aside from him saying that, or that the caption is just to buy his book, I, I don't know if I just didn't dig deep enough, but every single one of the comments is like people glowing and saying how great he is and like how celery juice or whatever changed their lives. When I know for a fact that there are like people out there like dietitians and others who have commented and said things like, whoa, 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 this is completely off the wall and false. So I don't know if I just wasn't looking hard enough, but I wonder if he does, because you can do that where you can just delete comments that you don't want people oh, to see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So again, who knows if that's actually true. I'm just speculating, but you got to wonder when he's doing those other things. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. I'll get off my soapbox about medical meeting. And he's just one of my least favorite. I know. <laughs> oh, I was sending Emily some great, some great reels and videos that he's created. Oh yeah. And then they're hard to watch. I think the first question I asked was, is he okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, an answer we may never know. Yeah. Well, speaking of like non-doctors providing nutrition information. Um, and I do, we should say first, there is a fine line too with doctors providing nutrition information because yes, they go through a ton of education. They are well-versed in so many areas, um, but they truthfully don't often get a lot of um, education in nutrition. And so they're just really not the best person to go to. Yeah, I that's think, why we exist. I think I remember that. No, I do. I do know that not all medical schools require a nutrition class, which is wild to me. Wild. Like not even one nutrition class. Yeah. Yet I know a lot of doctors that have gone down that path of creating a lot of books around nutrition advice when obviously you can read the research and um, gain an understanding from that, but there's so much more to dietetics and nutrition than just putting out claims and from what you might read from research or whatnot, or even like your own personal experiences, which is my mm-hmm. pet peeve of mine. <laughs> right. Like we learn about like how to counsel people, like about like the behavior changes that come with it. It's not just like black and white nutrition. We've learned that too. That's a big part of it. You know, mm-hmm. how like protein breaks down in the body and that kind of stuff. And that's what doctors probably get the biggest gist of is like stuff like that. But I would say like half of my job that I do now working with patients is more so kind of talking about like the behavior modifications, the emotional aspect that comes with reaching your goals, all that kind of stuff. And thankfully we would learn that stuff in school because if we didn't, I would not feel very well equipped to do that. No. So bottom line is just be weary. Like Emily said, a lot of books written by doctors on nutrition are out there. There's tons. I was looking at that too, before we recorded this, but one that really cracked me up that I really wanted to point out was that Dr. Phil, did you know he has a, a diet book? I did not, but it makes sense. <laughs> I feel like. So it's called the 2020 diet. And 
it's funny because he's not even like a like you know psychologist right like he's not any kind of doctor at all oh i'm confusing him and dr oz oh yeah dr oz is a doctor i think right yeah i'm pretty sure he's a cardiologist yeah but dr Dr. Phil. phil i do not no i'm pretty sure that was like a whole thing when he was big on tv is that he's not even a real psychologist like not any kind of doctor i hope i'm right about that and didn't just call him out but everyone's saying no he's a doctorate in clinical psychology oh a phd doctor not a medical doctor which either way i mean he shouldn't be writing books about nutrition but still what is the 2020 diet i'm I'm curious. Did I don't you know? I just got angry and moved on. Uh, that makes the sense. That makes sense. Let's see what our friend Dr. Google has to say about Dr. Phil. Oh, this will be something you love. This first thing I see says the 2020 diet consists of eating 20 specific power foods that take a lot of energy to break down, which may increase your calorie burn rate. So you just burn more calories eating them. <sighs> okay. Oh, my. My local library has it that I can borrow. <laughs> Maybe I should. Uh, I'll report back on that. Yeah. For research purposes. <laughs> uh, okay, Emily, I kind of took over like my personal experiences and things that's in online. Is there anything you wanted to add about like just things that really have grinded your gears or you feel like we kind of covered the bulk of that? I honestly, I feel like I... Most of my experiences were honestly with social media, like influencers. Yeah. Especially in high school and like first or second years of college when I was really not that knowledgeable about nutrition and how to go about all this information online and figure out what was accurate. But I think I really fell victim to this is how they look and eat and I should change my diet to like adapt to theirs which was really frustrating looking back looking back on that I was like oh so young so naive (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's something to note I like looking at what people post about they eat now more so just the sense that I want like recipe ideas. Right. Like not tell me your dinner ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they look really good. Yeah. And I want to try something like that, but I'm not looking for the sense that I want to look like you. And I know eating like you is not going to make me look like you. And also the entire topic of body image, which we will go into the next episode. Um, I am comfortable with who I am. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, we'll get to that. That's gonna be a whole a whole thing. I did not have any specific people that came to mind just because I feel like I saw so much of it through so many different people that oh my gosh, it's like everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. And it's so frustrating because people are looking up to these influencers or whatever they want to call themselves because and they the thing is it's hard to be upset with them because they usually do have good intentions. They're oh, not yeah. trying to hurt They're like people. not bad people. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're not trying to provide bad information. They just truly don't know any better because they don't get education and they probably don't even know that dietitians exist and that we should be the ones doing it. And so they yeah. just think that it's okay for them to be doing it. And that just starts the whole snowball effect of what we just described, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's everywhere. 
So yeah. hopefully this say podcast this. helps. Hopefully yeah. this podcast helps people. Yeah. Be skeptical of the information you see out there. Even sometimes things I see dietitians post. Yeah. I'm not always. And it's not a perfect science. Like we don't, like things are always changing. Like what was it like years ago? Like fat was the evil nutrient and now it's carbs. It'll probably be protein next. Like science is always evolving. Fad diets are always coming and going. So just always think think Especially that you... I like that you mentioned the fad diets. A lot of times people ask to see the science behind why fad diets don't work. And that's not how science works. We're not trying to guess what fad diets coming next to prove whether or not it's beneficial to your life. Oftentimes there are so many different in the science universe, there's so many things going on, but in nutrition specifically, there's a lot of different topics that we're still looking more into like the Mediterranean diet. I've seen so many new like articles come out about it when we seem to have a pretty good grasp about it and its benefits, but there's still so much more to learn. And a lot of what we do is we are evidence-based. So we don't want to recommend something to you based off our opinion or something we personally experienced because testimonials aren't always they're actually the least act was credible maybe yes that there we go (laughs) i'm remembering the pyramid of me too oh thanks purdue strength of evidence (laughs) oh their strength of the weakest there we go wow that (laughs) sorry purdue (laughs) but testimonials aren't the strongest source of evidence and a lot of these fad diets start that way because I think wasn't it Kylie Jenner posted celery juice and the entire world blew up she's got like millions of followers oh yeah they look up to her and she has a body people want to have themselves Mm -hmm. so they think again back to what we said earlier if you look like that all you gotta do is eat like that Mm -hmm. and the amount of juicers I've seen since then like if if you like juice there's nothing wrong with that like there's nothing wrong with that. Go enjoy your juices. I'm a big fan of juice. Um, but just the impact someone with that big of a following can have by one post yeah. is insane. And then all the dietitians have to stop what we're doing and backtrack and be like, wait, let's look into this more. Um yeah, like, is there yeah. research behind it? Is Are there any claims that could make actually make sense based on what we know? And then we go from there. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think celery juice really harms your body in any way. So at no, least that's just, good. You're yeah. hi- a new fun way to hydrate. Like that's... <laughs> I don't know. It even tastes good though. I feel like it probably wouldn't taste the greatest. I controversial opinion but I believe celery is the worst vegetable to oh I agree it's it's stuck in your teeth it tastes like bitter it's not I know it's only good if you put peanut butter on it and then you put raisins and you have ants on a log that's that's the best way to eat it it's the way celery is yeah celery is not good I was about to also say, luckily, the most harm done was to the grocery stores that ran out of celery. I mean, go for them. The the demand. The celery farmers are probably like raking in the dough. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. There could also be claims that aren't that harmless, which someone of that who has that much following or I guess respect could potentially damage people's lives. But anyway, I think this leads well into some of the consequences of working with someone without proper nutrition education. Yes. Since the celery juice, people are just getting hydrated. Celery farmers were having the time of their life. (laughs) Juicers were... The sales through the juicers were, they were killing it. Like, good for them. But the positive claims associated with it weren't necessarily there. There are other claims you may hear that aren't so harmless. And those are the more, I wouldn't say more important, but those are the ones that can be harmful, of course. So Mm -hmm. just being cautious of all. If it sounds too good to be true, you better look into it and see if it really is or not. Yeah. Uh, And it is hard because like Emily said, you know, there are things that we don't know. We might say to patients or clients and we think we know what's best. We try to give the best information, but like science is always changing. We never quite know what is, you know, truly the best information out there. Mm -hmm. Some other consequences of working with those who don't get educated in nutrition. Um, A big one is disordered eating promotion, I think. I think that's a huge one. Mm That definitely happened to me. I had a battle case of orthorexia growing up, which is when you're kind of obsessed with healthy eating. Um, And like I kind of said earlier, it led into, you know, my sophomore year of college, even as I was learning about dietetics, people out there say all these wild claims, like we just keep saying, and you take it to heart and then you follow it. And even it doesn't really apply to you. And then it just becomes a whole cycle of disordered eating. Yeah. And even in the worst cases, it could lead to like eating disorders. Yeah. Which we do not want. And yeah, it could be just really, really negative on someone's life. You don't really think about the information you're putting out there because you might think your intentions are good, but they could be negatively affecting someone in a way that you had no idea. Yeah. Um, Another one I like that we have on our little list here is sometimes they will use fear tactics to kind of like scare you into eating healthy or exercising, whatever it might be. Um, You know, the ones, the ones that are like, you better work out five days a week for two hours, or you're going to be obese forever and have diabetes. Like that's not how you counsel someone. That's not going to make someone want to change, want to become a healthier version of themselves. Like I was getting at earlier, it's all about working toward like on the mindset and the behavior changes more so than just kind of freaking them out with the science and the facts. Yeah. Because while that may be true, what they said, putting it in that way is not going to be helpful in any way. No. Plus they're going to be miserable while they do it. They're not, they're constantly going to be working against them. Like I'm doing this. So these negative things don't happen to me. You should be doing it because it feels good and you're happy from the the outcome not because some person is scaring you to follow their advice for whatever reason yeah exactly that being said should we go into just the best part of this yes this is this is my my cup of tea i was looking into this today and a lot of feelings were going on a lot of i was experiencing a lot of different emotions 
So something that isn't nationally uniform across the United States with the dietitian profession is licensure. So licensure, also that's a weird word. I do not want to be saying that a lot, but I'm going to have to. Um, (laughs) Licensure is basically when, and it varies from state to state. It's not regulated on a federal level, but basically with licensure, it's keeping people safe and focusing more on the safety and I guess appropriateness of care from different individuals. So licensure will basically, as I said, it will protect its consumers. It's going to help you identify who's actually qualified to provide you with nutrition services. And this can be, for example, such as like nutrition education, meal plans, anything like that, that requires that proper education. And when you see the like LD or LDN at the end of someone's name, that means they're a licensed dietitian. And there are actually different levels of licensure. So there are 28 states, and this is all updated as of July 2020, according to eWritePro.org, their licensure map, which is the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics map. And there are 28 states and territories that follow this practice exclusivity label. And this basically means that if you are have a license, or it means that you're required to have a license to practice medical nutrition therapy or dietetics, and it's subject to any exemptions shown in pop-ups and such. So basically, this really locks it in that if you're not a dietitian, you can get in trouble for giving out nutrition advice that could potentially be harmful. And then going from there, there are 18 states that are categorized as licensure of little only or certification of RDNs. And this means that the state only licenses the title licensed dietitian or similar title. And it only provides an optional certification which may facilitate reimbursement or employment in certain facilities. So in these states, there's a board that exists like a mini academy within that state. And there's a board that exists the implant in the wall, but there is no license required to practice MNT or dietetics. And then there are two, two more categories, but the last one I'm gonna talk about is there are three states that are categorized as title protection without formal state regulation. And this means that the state restricts use of the title to certain credentialed professionals, but there's no board that exists and there's no license required to use the title. So really, you don't know if there could be any harm put out to you um, or provided to you with the advice you're getting in these states that don't have the regulation with it. And it's something that dietitians often advocate with um, for often because it's not, I'm gonna go, I'm going right into this thing because it's not that we don't want other people giving out nutrition advice for our own selfish reasons because we want to be the only ones doing that. It's from a safety standpoint that we've seen so many negative effects come from people giving out their advice on something they're not qualified to. And then it leads to a domino effect 
nationwide and all, sometimes even like worldwide where society now hates a new macronutrient or something or follows some type of diet because someone said so and now there might be repercussions that come from that. Um, before I go into my specific example that I brought up that <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about, is there anything you want to say about that, Hannah? Not much. I do believe that my state, Indiana, is one of the 18 that licensure is kind of like an optional thing. Um, where I work, I believe it's required. I do have my licensure. Um, and I believe we require it because it helps with like insurance coverages for our patients. Because okay. um, our state is one of those states where it is required in some cases. And I believe Michigan, an hour north of where I live, it's there's like no laws at all. So it's tough because- Oh yeah, to... Michigan and yeah. Arizona are the two states that aren't any of these categories. Like they there's... just have no regulations. No. It's crazy. So literally any average Joe in Michigan can just be providing meal plans, tube feeding recommendations, like whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Mm -hmm. crazy. I think Illinois, where I am right now, we're part of the practice exclusivity. um, When the first one where it really is strict about consequences, which is, that's good. That is good. Um, They do, dietitians do a good job of advocating for that. And that comes with like working with your public, maybe politicians, I guess I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to call them public. (laughs) Well, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe like local politicians. Yeah. Yeah. They're the ones who make those changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're just advocating for why it's so important and it's all coming from a good place. We don't like, I would love it if, I don't know if I would love it, actually. I take that back. <laughs> After the years of education, I don't know if I'd love it if everyone gave out nutrition information. Yeah, our jobs would be pretty but, obsolete, but I get yeah. your point. <laughs> <laughs> but just the harm that comes from it can be really detrimental. So my specific example that we're going to talk about today, that this was a historical time in dietetics history, I went back to the timestamp on this and it happened in May, 2019. It was that long ago? Yes, yes. Oh my gosh. So things could have changed and we are open-minded and people make mistakes. But in May of 2019, the official CrossFit Twitter page retweeted an article from the organization R Street and it argued So the specific quote they retweeted and typed in their little blurb with the retweet of the article was, rather than genuine health and safety concerns, licensed dietitians are mostly just worried about protecting their monopoly status as the only group that can can provide nutritional services in states like Missouri, which after everything we just talked about, what are we benefiting from, from having this monopoly? And we don't even have a monopoly now as it is since there are so many people that give out nutrition information or provide nutrition education and such. But CrossFit decided to retweet this from their official page. And of course it blew up or a bunch of dietitians were like, "Um, yes, we want licensed medical professionals providing 
advice on I think something. I commented on that like on my own personal Instagram I said oh something my, wow I'm gonna look for it while you keep it, on going I did not have Twitter back then but maybe I shouldn't comment now no they might have changed they might have changed and we don't know but I looked more into the article that they retweeted since I was just so curious what was so interesting about this and another quote I saw was the article was arguing to allow non-licensed professionals to provide diet advice. And then another fun quote was it said, while the concept of professional licenses may seem to like, seem like a helpful way to ensure safe diet advice, it actually works instead to flock out many qualified professionals from advising clients on how to eat healthier and live better. Like we're not trying to like make it so that less of us can help. It's that we want only those of us who know the safety of it to help, if yes. that makes sense. So, and this yes. is com this is coming from a standpoint of like, I think one of the best examples I brought up was, would you trust your dentist who either passed one exam or took a four-week course on dentistry <laughs> to fill in your cavities or to perform a phrenectomy or like sorry that's relevant to me because I just had a phrenectomy done like five <laughs> months ago I was like what what is that no. <laughs> um or even in terms of like a doctor if your doctor passed one exam or I guess surgeries that's a really drastic change in your body if your surgeon take took one seminar on hip replacement surgery would you trust them would you want or would you rather go to someone who's gone through years of medical school and residency and knows what they're doing and has the associated education with that it's just very it was so frustrating to me because I saw more comments from CrossFit how they wanted their trainers to be able to give out nutrition information and nutrition advice. And it's totally fine if they're also dietitians, but they're more than welcome to go to school with us. They're more than welcome to go back to school for it so they can provide information. But it was just very much a slap in the face that this a big fitness organization was coming after dietitians. Right. Like what did we do wrong? I don't quite understand where that even like came from. I guess mm -hmm. this whole anger about us monopolizing, but we're not doing that. We I mean like nurses are monopolizing the nursing industry. Right. Like <laughs> what um, the heck nurses? Yeah. Or like I'm like in anything else, any other profession right now. I know like engineers like, get out of the engineering industry. <laughs> I know it's like I always say like would you want me to be your chiropractor like as a dietitian you want me to come like I don't know what like adjust your spine like I don't have the right to do that it wouldn't be safe for me to do that no or like even like um me like I'm not a personal trainer I took a lot of health and kinesiology classes during undergrad but that does not mean I'm qual I'm not going to give you a fitness plan yes because I I don't understand how it works the harmful effects that could come from giving someone 
a plan that might not work best with their physical restraints or make it individualized exactly to them. It's very much a understand where we're coming from. And it's not a place of like, we're not trying to be malicious. We're just trying to make sure that people are safe and that all these harmful potential like fad diets and trends and rumors don't affect people and start to consume their life because so many people I've talked to their weight is what kind of is a big priority in their life because of things professionals not I wouldn't say healthcare professionals but things like their friends and families have told them or some other person in their profession when it's not really warranted that they give their advice on that because they might not realize it at the time that it could be harmful, but it could lead to long-term negative side effects that could haunt that person for the rest of their life where they have to have a vicious battle with the relationship with food. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's my story that got me all right. <sighs> well, that leads really nicely into what I want to go over next. And that is more about the scope of practice of personal trainers and dietitians. So we both have our own things to work on. And I'll probably repeat this later. The goal is for us to work as a team because so much of your health has to do with both nutrition and exercise. They work together, obviously, in so many ways. And so that's why the line is pretty faded and kind of tricky of where it really is. Um, there are rules in writing of what should be covered by personal trainers and not by dietitians and vice versa. Um, thankfully you can do both. Like I, for example, am a dietitian and a personal trainer. So I am able to, and I am grateful to be able to cover both with people that I work with, but we'll start with like personal trainers. What they kind of can go over is just like basic information about nutrition. You know, talk about my plate, the dietary guidelines for America. Um, what does protein do? What they had for dinner last night that they really like that kind of stuff. What they can't do is give specific recommendations like a calorie goal, a protein goal, carb goal, that kind of stuff. Um, they can't do any kind of like nutritional assessment. Um, you know, one that, they, one that they would use to then make individual nutrition recommendations. So that's a big one there. Um, they also cannot offer any kind of like nutrition counseling. Again, they can go over just basic general nutrition, nothing individualized. That's kind of the biggest takeaway is they can't do anything individualized um, in terms of nutrition. Um, supplements, that's a huge one. We'll do a whole episode on supplements because that is whew, a heavy topic. Yes. Um, but trainers definitely, definitely, definitely should not be recommending those. And trainers who make their own supplements, that's kind of a whole other conversation I don't quite get how that can be allowed but anyway we'll get to that in a future episode we're already chatting like crazy people right now so I'm not make you bored with that right now um and then lastly they obviously can't say they're a dietitian unless they truly are that would just be crazy just like Emily would never say she's a personal trainer even though she has yeah. had you know schooling in some of those classes and like information that trainers would know about <laughs> 
but you can't call yourself something you're not like I could never say I was a doctor or a chiropractor or a dentist that would just be no. crazy um and so on the flip side what dietitians can cover unless they are a trainer they can go over kind of everything together but for dietitians who are not personal trainers it's kind of just the opposite you know dietitians cannot give specific exercise advice exercise prescriptions they cannot you know write an exercise program for someone unless again they are a personal trainer as well again kind of the opposite um rds can discuss like the physical activity guidelines just like trainers can discuss the dietary guidelines but they can't just give individualized specific recommendations so that's just a bit the goal like i said earlier is to make sure that we work together so you can give the full benefits to clients that's yeah. the biggest takeaway i feel like to wrap I wouldn't say to wrap the episode up, but to just wrap up all of these thoughts we've had about these different various bullet points we've hit is there's, there's a reason why people go into specialties. There's a reason, like I'm thinking very much in the clinical, from a clinical standpoint, there's a reason why there's a pharmacist on the team. There's a reason why there's a nurse. There's a reason why there's a speech language pathologist. Like they are very good at what they do in that specific setting. And that's why we have these interdisciplinary teams so that we can work together because it's never just with a patient or a client, it's never just one thing is wrong. There's all these contributing factors and it's about finding what combination might work best for you. And it's very much so, um, I don't know why well, I do know why. Nutrition is a very popular topic. Everyone I know, as soon as you tell them you're studying dietetics or you're a dietitian, they want to hear your latest thoughts on this new fad diet or tell me how, if eggs are healthy for me. I've heard that so many times. Oh my gosh. Ugh. But it is a very popular topic. And I think it's, I don't want to say the phrase stay in your lane, but it, I understand my place. And I'm not going to go into someone else's profession when I know I could be potentially harming someone with what I tell them. And that's um, very against the code of ethics that the academy has and all the dietitians basically follow. And it's why we do not try to go into, I guess I can't speak for all dietitians. I don't know. Now all dietitians are good. I don't know. <laughs> There's so many of us. I yeah. can't speak for everyone, but the intentions are not harmful when we are trying to give out the most accurate nutrition advice that's backed by science and what we think will work best for you as an individual. Yes. I copy everything she just said. Exactly. Okay, guys. So we know this episode was heavy, a lot of, you know, facts and some opinions as well. Like we were all over the board. So we decided since this is our first, you know, real episode, but we want to start doing at the end to kind of like bring things back to more of a fun approach, which we had fun doing that. I don't know about you guys yes. listening. I think that was great. But anyway, something more light and just exciting to talk about. We want to always go over, me and Emily are going to talk about kind of like a this or that kind of thing and so each time we'll have a different one but today our kind of like fun bonus this or that is going to be when you pour when you pour a bowl of cereal do you do the cereal first or the milk first and I think it's also important to note why why do we do yes. that 
Okay, I'll go first. So okay. I do I do cereal first. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's more so I want to know how much I'm eating of the cereal. And I actually don't do a ton of milk because I'm eating it more so for the cereal rather than for the liquid. <laughs> That's my my thoughts on that. <laughs> so if you have milk left over, will you ever add more cereal to it and like eat more? 100%. Okay. Unless, unless it's a cereal like Cinnamon Toast Crunch where it makes it like a cinnamony milk, like kind of like horchata, I will drink that plain. Yeah. Anything else. Normally the milk is a vehicle for the cereal for me. So you don't usually drink it unless it's flavored, like a good flavor. You don't usually drink oh, the rest I'll, of it. I'll always drink it at the end. Oh, okay, okay. I have enough left. I will definitely be adding more cereal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm pretty much the same. I also do the cereal first. That's just the right way to do it. Uh, if you want to tell me why not, then please do. I'd love to hear your side. But I do cereal first. I do quite a bit of milk, actually, because I like it to get, I like it crunchy, but I also like it when they mix together quite a bit. So I do quite a bit of milk. And then... I also drink it at the end. So basically what you said, but I do more milk. Yes. Do you usually do like almond milk or do you do like regular milk? So I pre senior of high school, I'd always do okay, regular milk. And then I developed my weird milk sensitivity, which was literally probably one of the worst things that happened to me nutrition wise. <laughs> like I know that's dramatic, but I was one of those like kids that would drink a full glass of milk like every day. And I know some people are now like, that's the weirdest thing. I was like, milk tastes so good. And uh, then it started hurting me. Yeah. So like, I haven't really found, like I drink mostly almond milk, but it doesn't taste the same, which is very upsetting to me. I have not found a milk that that tastes the same. It's just not the same. Cereal's forever a, a sore topic with me. <laughs> starting off with a good one then I guess right <laughs> have you ever tried that like lactate milk before I have is it not as good it's really sweet it is Ew. yeah although now my like sweet tolerance has changed a lot I like can't tolerate sweet things a lot anymore which makes me sad because you I know how much I'm getting like... older yeah, yeah you used to love sweets I know and now I here I am so old at 23 know, the ripe <laughs> age of 23 oh you're ancient yeah I'm glad we agreed on this one I feel like we might not agree on future ones but that's okay oh, that'll definitely. make it fun exactly I was just saying people that put in the milk first I'm afraid of yeah like what have they seen what is what have they gone through because then like you don't know how much like you just can't get the like proportions right yeah what if it overflows yeah what if it overflows please explain, please write us, comment on our Instagram, something like that. Just let us know because we have to know. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Thank you guys so, so much for listening or watching. You can find us at our social media links, which we'll attach at the end of this description. Mm -hmm. Um, Please let us know you'd like to see in future episodes and we can't wait to hear from you. Yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs)